St. Charles County Executive Steve Elman has dealt with a lot of challenges since he became the fast-growing county's top political leader in 2006. But it's likely the GOP official has never dealt with something as impactful as the coronavirus outbreak. Elman and St. Charles County Public Health Director Demetrius Cianci Chapman talk with St. Louis Public Radio's Julio Donahue about how their county is dealing with the pandemic. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that, that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. Well, we want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. Welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Julie O'Donohue, and I am here with my special guest. Uh, Steve Elman, County Executive, St. Charles County. Demetrius Tianci Chapman, Director of Public Health for St. Charles County. All right. Thanks, guys. I want to thank you for being with us. Um, We have talked to St. Louis County Executive Sam Page and Mayor Lida Krusen already. And so we're trying to make the rounds and talk to everyone uh, that's a local government leader in our region, um, you know, now that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Before we get started, can you guys give us an update about where we are today? How 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 are you feeling about things today since this is something that seems to change by the hour? It is changing very fast. Um, um, currently in St. Charles County, we have 191 cases and um, seven people have died of COVID-19 in our county. Um, we have a little over 400 people um, quarantined currently. Okay. What what are the projections showing? Are you expecting things in St. Charles to get worse before they get better? Absolutely. Um, I think we're still at the front end of this, and um, I think we're going to see all those numbers climb um, with more frequent outbreaks um, and um, a higher number of hospitalizations. County Executive Elman, um, I know that the St. Louis County and the city of St. Louis put their stay-at-home orders to sort of hopefully stop spreading the spread of coronavirus in place about two weeks ago. I think that means your stay-at-home order has been in place like a, a little bit less than that, but not much. Actually, I think it went into effect just about the same day, maybe 12 hours later than the St. Louis County. Okay, my apologies. What what uh, I know it, I know two weeks seems like a long time in this crisis, but what uh, enticed you to do that? Why do you think that was a good step, and do you still think it was the right thing to do? Well, I think it was definitely the right thing to do. The reason that uh, we uh, took a day or two longer to make the decision, although it went into effect about the same time, is uh, at that point the number of cases in St. Charles County. Uh, was nowhere near the number of cases in St. Louis County, even if you take into consideration the fact that uh, that St. Louis County has twice as many people as we do. On the other hand, uh, we had about the same number of cases as St. Louis City, even though we have 100,000 more people. 
But when people, they don't take that into consideration, they simply look at the, at the absolute number of cases it looked like to some, well, it must not be as big a problem in St. Charles County. Uh, we knew that that was misleading because we weren't getting the same number of tests out here. And in fact, a few days after we made the decision to do this, we start grafting some of the, uh, the curves to see the trends on, on increase in the amount of people with positive tests. And what we saw is, uh, and we did this not just for, for ourselves, but for St. Louis City, County, Jefferson, Franklin, and St. Charles. And it was very obvious, St. Louis City and County were up at the top of the graph and we're having a whole lot more cases. But Jefferson, Franklin, and St. Charles, they, while they were having fewer cases, uh, the growth curve was very, very similar. And in fact, if you compared our growth curve then to what the city in St. Louis County had had six days earlier, there was almost identical. So it was very obvious to us at that point that the virus was growing at the same rate in all of our counties Franklin, Jefferson, and St. Charles were just about six days behind. So it's been six days since then. And yeah, I think our numbers now compare very similar to what they had. If that trend continues, you know, we're in the same boat here. Uh, even though the absolute numbers may be different, the severity of the outbreak, I think, is pretty uniform throughout the St. Louis region. So I want to go back to something you just said about testing. I was going to ask about this a little bit later, but you brought it up. Um, why do you feel like, I heard you say that you think that there were fewer tests out in St. Charles. Do you think that's because there were fewer tests available or fewer, or just fewer people were going to be going to get tested? What do you think the challenge was there? Part of it, I think, was a function of, uh, the, uh, the Chesterfield, uh, the hospital site in Chesterfield was the first to be set up. And that's one of the reasons that they were probably uh, doing more testing in St. Louis County before uh, we were in St. Charles or Franklin and Jefferson. I'll let, I'll let uh, Dimitri comment on that as well. Yeah, this is Dimitri. So um, all three major health systems in the St. Louis metropolitan region are, are doing drive-through testing now. But you know, in the beginning of this, um, we were getting off the ground um, slower than we had hoped um, throughout the entire nation. And um, the first testing sites revealed a, a lot of those initial positive cases. And that was set up by Mercy in St. Louis County. So um, we didn't have drive-through testing in St. Charles County as early as um, that first testing came up. So um, you saw identified cases earlier in St. Louis City and St. Louis County than you did in St. Charles County. And once again, we were aware of that and could take that into consideration, but it's all that when the public simply saw absolute numbers, it was misleading. I would think it'd be a big improvement if the media would start speaking in terms of the, the rate of infection. In other words, how many positive cases per thousand or something like that to give people a better idea uh, exactly uh, to what extent uh, we've had uh, uh, infections in a particular jurisdiction. Do you all feel like testing is still a challenge in St. Charles County? Absolutely. Um, testing is a challenge everywhere in the nation. We, we still don't have the capacity to test um, large numbers of people in the population. Um, and we're starting to consider 
um, public health work that doesn't rely on testing, syndromatic surveillance, for example, where instead of looking for a positive test result, we look for people um, who are symptomatic. Well, Dimitri, you were telling me this morning, too, that we have people who are dying, and if they haven't been tested, we not, we're not sure exactly why they, they died, but very well could be uh, positive for COVID, but they were never tested. That's true. The definition of a COVID death, it means a confirmatory test for COVID-19. Um, but I, I think um, in the future, when we look back on this time, we're going to definitely see that there was an increase in deaths and they weren't all attributed to um, a laboratory confirmation of COVID-19. Um, and we can probably attribute them to this pandemic, we just can't capture everyone with a lab test. So on Friday, Governor Parson issued a stay-at-home order. Some people feel like the restrictions aren't, for lack of a better word, restrictive enough. He's still allowing some non-essential businesses to stay open um, as long as they have fewer than 10 people. Um, I guess critics have said that maybe it looks very similar to what he had in place before. Uh, County Executive, I know you had wanted the governor to issue a stay-at-home order. What do you think about what he has put in place? Well, I'm, I'm glad that he, he did what he did, and he has the same problem on a much larger scale uh, as we did. There are some parts of the state that are very, uh, that have not been affected much at all, and other parts, you know, have been more affected. Uh, I also, um, you know, the, one of the reasons that that I was hoping he would do this again, was that we did some um, studies on uh, traffic counts. Uh, we, we've been, we do that, have always done that for a long time. We usually use those traffic counts as evidence why MoDOT needs to you know, widen the highways and give us, uh, give us more money. Now we've been using them to determine the extent to which uh, people are staying home. And what we found is that the rate of people staying home um, was between 40 and 50%, uh, but uh, it was much higher in the area close to the St. Louis County and not as high in those areas close to Lincoln and Warren. And part of that we believe was because Lincoln and Warren did not have any kind of stay at home order. And that's why now, at least today, uh, the folks in Lincoln and Warren and in points north and west who come into St. Charles County, at least they now know that they're under the, these orders as well. And hopefully we'll get a better uh, compliance, uh, not only in those areas, but in St. Louis, St. Charles County. Because as you know, this, this virus really knows no, uh, no political boundaries. I wanted to ask you, do you have an idea of what type of financial hit St. Charles County might take because everyone's staying home and a number of businesses are closed? Well, we have, we have had to go into our reserves uh, significantly already. Um, there is, uh, you know, I believe most of that or a good portion of that may be um, taken care of with the CARES Act and we may get some reimbursement. The thing that, uh, and again, we've, we don't really have time to worry about this right now, but when we get time to worry about, about our finances, uh, our biggest problem the last three or four years has been more and more people buying on e-commerce and not paying the local sales tax. 
And to the extent that everyone's staying at home now and buying more and more on e-commerce and getting more and more used to that, to that procedure, I think uh, does, not, uh, does not bode well for us in the future. And uh, that's one of the things I believe the legislature, if they were in session, would be talking about right now. And when they do get back in session, they need to, need to consider um, you know, doing something to allow not only St. Charles County, but all the cities within our county and the state itself to uh, somehow um, receive that sales tax that we've been receiving. Gee, the city's been collecting it since 1970 and counties long before that, but it's less and less every year because more and more people are buying online. But again, that's a, that's a, I hope we can get to the point where we can spend all of our time worrying about that instead of worrying about this, epi this uh, epidemic. So I know that in St. Louis, um, they have opened up a site for homeless people who have coronavirus, a new site, um, and those who don't actually, but they have some quarantine situations. Uh, St. Louis County is also, I think, housing people who are homeless in um, hotels and also first responders in, in hotels too. I know we don't normally associate uh, large homeless populations with St. Charles County, but are you guys making any sort of similar effort? Most of that effort is coming from the, our not-for-profit sector. Uh, many of many of those organizations we do support with tax dollars. And Dimitri, you have any? Uh, yeah, several members of my team have also participated in um, community meetings where we're working with the faith um, community to to find housing for homeless folks. Um, and uh, we've also had discussions about housing, both first responders um, and frontline folks, as well as quarantined folks. And that is starting to shift into more of a regional conversation as um, the city, the St. Louis County and St. Charles County are working with all three of the major health systems under this new task force. Um, so that instead of duplicating efforts and competing for resources, we're combining our efforts to address some of these things. This housing is one of those um, subgroups of that task force. Do you all know when the when the surge comes, which at least my understanding is it would be towards the end of April in this area, do you all know um, whether your local hospital beds are going to be overwhelmed uh, and or whether there's going to be any alternative sites, I guess, for like temporary hospitals or at least treatment facilities in St. Charles County? Well, as you know, we've uh, elected officials in the Missouri side of the region have been working with our three main hospital groups uh, to make sure that they are prepared and can meet uh, whatever demand is there. Uh, we're also working with, what is it, the uh, Corps of Engineers, who's, who's doing a study there. I know that they're looking at, uh, one of the places they're looking at for a possible site is, uh, is the St. Charles Convention Center to, to have additional hospital beds, but there's several others they're looking at. And at this point, they have not made a decision uh, when or if uh, to go ahead and take that next step. We'll be back with St. Charles County Executive Steve Elman and his Public Health Director, Dimitri Cianci Chapman, 
after this quick message. And we're back with St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman and his Public Health Director, Dimitri Cianci Chapman. Are you all making use of your, I know you have some universities out there, any, any, um, I don't want to say takeover, but I guess use of universities to help deal with the uh, crisis? Well, I think, you know, the, the, the dormitories at Lindenwood University are obviously a, an option. I hope it never comes to the point where we would need that many, uh, that many rooms. We've been talking to various hotels. Uh, again, uh, Dimitri, I'll let you talk about the specifics on why we need those, those rooms. Yeah, so um, we have had a lot of conversations and honestly, we're being open to whatever is needed to respond to the crisis. Um, the university dormitories have been discussed, but the university has not been approached. Um, I can tell you that we've also partnered with other universities in unique ways. Um, the Mizzou Veterinary School has provided us a lot of information about COVID and animals and um, interspecies transmission. And St. Louis University School of Public Health and Social Justice um, has been augmenting our public health staff with lots of um, public health interns. How are you guys doing when it comes to personal protective equipment. Do you all feel like you are uh, comfortable with the amount you have? You got any you can sell us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have one cloth mask. We've been working our tails off, uh, trying to get more PPE for what, three weeks now at least. And um, one of the, uh, you know, one of the things uh, we have really uh, talk to the governor's office about, you know, the CARES Act was passed. Uh, we need to know, and we've communicated this to them, we don't need to check, but we need to have some sort of idea of how much money we're gonna be able to spend because we need to be ordering PPE and other things. And as you know, that stuff's been flying off the shelf for the last three weeks. So the longer we wait to get in an order, the less chance we're gonna have of getting what we need so that's one of the points of urgency here with the, uh, with the state. And I believe tomorrow uh, the legislature is going to start taking up the, the budget item that would allow the, the, uh, uh, the governor's office to start distributing this money. And believe me, we can't get it fast enough. I know Dimitri feels strongly about that. I'll let him comment. Yeah, um, there really is a, a huge shortage of personal protective equipment. Um, we have um, our logistics folks searching the globe um, all day, every day for um, the equipment that's needed for the entire region. And I, I know that um, this is a challenge for my counterparts in, both, in, in every county and every other county, truly. This was um, left to local public health authorities and local governments to figure out and um, that, that makes it even a bigger challenge because they're all then competing for the same precious, scarce resource. Well, and there are certain parts, uh, hotspots right now that can make, an, you know, can make an argument that they need it the most right now. But if they use it all, at some point, other places are going to become hotspots. And uh, that's a real interesting uh, federalism issue there as to you know, what's the best way to do the most good for the most people when it comes to getting this PPE to the 
the right place at the right time. So I'm not sure people understand who, like St. Charles County, would be purchasing PPE for. Can you explain who you all are trying to protect with this gear and why it's so important that you get some? The, the first batch of PPE that we really needed was for a nursing home here in St. Charles County. They were having trouble sourcing it and they were having an outbreak. So um, we wanted to get PPE for them um, to help mitigate the spread of um, COVID-19 within their facility. Um, we did eventually um, access some from the Missouri Strategic Stockpile and they, that nursing home now has PPE that they, they need. Um, also, our ambulance district, the St. Charles County Ambulance District, the St. Charles City um, Fire and Ambulance, um, and our um, other first responders like police officers, they are going into homes where people have died um, um, or dealing with um, other issues in homes where people are quarantined and, and they need personal protective equipment as well. We've got police officers that, uh, you know, throughout their career have, you know, been asked to uh, run into homes with guns, people shooting at them. Uh, and, and they've, they've responded to that well, but they even, they don't know what to expect with this, with this virus. Uh, they know what to expect if somebody has a gun shooting at them, but they don't know exactly what to expect if somebody has the virus breathing on them. And that's, we want to do everything we can to protect them. So right now, I mean, I, I know this is a, a sensitive subject, but right now, do you guys have, are you able to provide PPE to your EMS folks and your police officers, or are you struggling to do that? No, we are. We are, but we have to, again, I'm saying this for the last three weeks, we're, we're planning for the worst case scenario and praying and hoping for the, the best case. So we're going to do everything we can to prepare for the worst case. And if, uh, if it gets here, we're going to try to be ready to meet it. Are you all competing with St. Louis and St. Louis County and Jefferson County for PPE? Yeah, I know we've actually been working with St. Louis County on some uh, joint efforts to, uh, to uh, get PPE. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, in every other area, we've been cooperating tremendously. Uh, Dimitri and his counterpart in St. Louis County have, you know, have been um, talking and working together for a long time now, and, and we're bringing in other other people from other uh, counties in the region. I don't know, Dimitri, do you think there's any competition for the PPE? Um, it's not direct competition, and early on, um, St. Charles County and St. Louis County placed an order together for N95 respirators. Um, and we've certainly been open to that um, since that first order. We're just not finding sufficient supplies. So um, I think, you know, um, there could be inadvertent competition if we weren't coordinating, but um, regionally we're, we're coming together around this. Um, it, it does make it harder since the funds are going to be distributed to separate jurisdictions um, and buying in bulk um, to accommodate multiple jurisdictions to accommodate a region um, wasn't 
wasn't part of the plan for the CARES Act, but um, we, are, we are nonetheless getting together around this issue. So I want to talk about that regional cooperation. Um, Mr. County Executive, you don't necessarily share the same politics as uh, Mayor Krusen or County Executive Page. Um, is there, are there any barriers to working together? How do you think that's going? I think it's going very well. Um, yeah, we don't agree on everything at the beginning. Um, I've done some things that been difficult for me to do in the name of uh, unity and I'm sure they've uh, done some things uh, that have been difficult for them but when we start working on this four weeks to go uh, together and got together we all believed one thing uh, and agreed on one thing and that is to the extent we can have a unified message and people you know kind of know what the rules are everywhere and don't have to to look it up when they cross a river uh, that that was going to be a tremendous advantage. So we've uh, we tried to uh, try to stay together, and and I think generally we have. There have been slight differences in approach, uh, but uh, but the general approach I think has been uh, has been a unified approach. And uh, you know we've also brought in Jefferson and Franklin County uh, as part of the process. Our, our friends in Illinois, of course, are kind of uh, they're under the uh, the governor's uh, order, so they don't have the same discretion that we have had. And of course, now with uh, with Missouri having its own order, there'll, there'll be less need perhaps for us to um, to do some things. But we're still working together. Um, I just think to the extent we can have a united front, and the fact that uh, people see Democrats and Republicans agreeing on what needs to be done here, I think that's uh, that's very beneficial. Your communities are, tend to be, people tend to live farther apart. It's more suburban and rural, I guess, in some cases, depending on where you are. Um, and the, you know, when compared to the city or inner parts of St. Louis County, are there different approaches because the housing stock is different? Well, I think it, uh, it has, a, it, it definitely determines the spread. I mean, I think the greater the density, uh, the greater the uh, chances of this spreading. And we have large sections of St. Charles County that are just as dense as uh, any part of uh, St. Louis County. But yes, we also have 41% of the county's floodplain. So it's agricultural. And another probably 10 or 20% is, um, uh, is rural. And it's more like, uh, it's more like uh, Warren County than it is like St. Louis County. So yeah, we're a kind of a transitional county there and we have all types of situations and uh, varying degrees. If you look at the, the map that we put out uh, two days ago, I believe, and it shows where the cases are, it definitely shows that there are not as many cases in the western part of the county or in the extreme floodplain. Um, I would warn people when they look at that is I'm not, I'm not a statistician and I don't know how many, how many cases you need before it becomes just statistically significant. But when you, when you look at our map and there's a, uh, probably a third as many cases as St. Louis County, and you see an area that seems to be a hotspot, that might mean that it has three more, you know, uh, two or three more deaths or 20 or 30 more cases. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like judging a, 
a ball player, whether he's having a good season after, uh, you know, after two weeks looking at his batting average and deciding after two or three weeks whether he's having a good season. Until you get enough numbers there, it uh, certainly shows you how the county's doing, but it doesn't really tell you much about where the hot spots are yet. Would you agree with that, Dimitri? Or? Absolutely. You know, we don't have great data because we've had limited testing. Um, but what we do see from the data that we have so far um, is that there is widespread community spread in every community around us. Um, and we may not have the numbers to reflect that, especially in the second collar communities from St. Louis. Um, but it's just a matter of time before we start seeing their confirmation numbers rise. What type of data do you all think is appropriate to release about the people or the confirmed cases, I'll say? So it seems like we have a little bit of a shift. Now the city and the county are releasing data by zip code. Um, what do you think people should, should, the public has a right to know about um, a person who's been confirmed as having COVID-19? Like, should they know where they work? <laughs> How old they are? Um, where's that line? Well, the, the you have to balance that against individuals' right to privacy. And I don't know if we really have that much discretion. I'll let Dimitri uh, deal with the details here. Yeah, so um, this, this can be different um, depending on, you know, how how large of the employer, how many people work um, at, a, let's say, a person who has tested positive, um, whether or not we release their place of work should also depend on how many people work there. Um, if we use a, um, a gender identifying pronoun and there's only three employer employees at the place that they work, we, we may have revealed who that person is. And that's a, that's a clear violation of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And, you know, we're precluded from doing that. So um, what information should be out there has to be in part um, evaluated on an individual person's, on an individual basis, because um, it is individual level data that is being disclosed. Um, generally, I think you can get away with gender, um, decade of age, um, and community. Um, beyond that, I, I think you have to make sure that additional details don't erroneously or accidentally um, identify the person who has tested positive because um, they are allowed to keep that private based on our current laws. Okay, another question I had was about, um, actually it's about casinos, because that's uh, something I, I kind of think of when I go to St. Charles County, because I tend to see them. What Do you all think, I mean, when are we going to get back to normal, and when is something like a casino that's like a huge gathering place going to be able to open? Do you have any predictions about that? Well, here I think, here's what I think is important about, uh, about the casino. And, and I don't think the media, there was so many other things going on at the time. I'm not sure the media appreciated it. But, uh, you know, when I was, I've been looking at a lot of what happened in 1918 and, um, 
1918, when the city went ahead and, and, and closed uh, public gatherings, um, a couple days later, um, an auctioneer named Selkirk uh, filed a complaint because the police had come to his business and shut down his auction um, because there was, there was going to be a, a gathering there, so they shut it down, which didn't bother him that much until he found out that one of his competitors had an auction the next day and they were allowed to have it. It so happened that the president of that competitor was on a police board and the police just went ahead and didn't show up. Uh, the important thing, it, people need to buy into all the things that are happening here. They need to understand that, we're, that these orders are being issued for their good and to protect everyone. And they need to understand that there's not gonna be any favoritism shown, that everybody's gonna be treated the same. That's why I thought it was very important when the governor got the gaming commission to close down the casinos. They had an older population. They had a, a population that may have pre-existing conditions. They were, they were one of the most uh, vulnerable areas. And as long as they stayed open, people were gonna think, hey, you know, they got one of the most powerful lobbyists in Jefferson City and, you know, uh, they, they, they're just, you know, getting some sort of special treatment. When they were closed down, all the small business people that were suffering because they could no longer serve people in the restaurant and had to do this or that, all the small business people at least could say, well, listen, the big guys are being treated the same as we are. So that's why I thought it was really important when that message was sent. And we need to continue to make sure that that message is sent. And all the disputes that we had about when to close what businesses, we're gonna eventually, hopefully soon, but eventually come to the uh, time when we're gonna having similar discussions about when to reopen them. And, uh, and again, you're gonna have the people with the most political clout wanting to open earlier than everybody else. And we need to make sure that we again, again, treat everybody the same and treat the small business person the same as we do the big business. Okay, we've come to the end of our interview. Mr. Elman, do you wanna say where people can find you on social media if they wanna reach out? And also, do you all wanna give a plug to the county uh, coronavirus website or other place where people can find information on your efforts? They can uh, go on, online to sccmo.org slash COVID or send something to the executive at sccmo.org. Our politics editor is Fred Ehrlich. Our executive editor is Shula Newman. And we will see you next week. Do you feel cold?